All right, so buy in, check out, whatever language you want to use. All right, so that's fantastic. Good job. We are going to attempt something really ambitious this morning in our teaching. And already I'm looking at the time thinking it's not going to happen, but we'll, we'll have a go. I want to continue the theme of discipleship. I'm going to get you thinking and I'm going to ask you the question. Most weeks when we're talking about discipleship, I kind of say, what is a disciple? And I kind of explain two or three phrases. So let's see how well you've been listening over the last few weeks. So when I say a disciple is, shout it out, a follower, a learner, someone who believes, someone who obeys, someone who lays down their life. Someone who becomes more like Jesus. Well done, you've been listening. And, and what's the last thing that we often talk about? So in doing all those things, what is he calling us to do? Tell others to go, to make disciples, to go, to go. That was his mandate. That was the command that he gave his, his disciples was, lads, I've been with you. I've shown you the way. Now it's time to go. And I want to... Uh, have an ambitious attempt at looking at whole chapter this morning, uh, Luke chapter 9. Turn to your Bibles, the, the verses will come up on there. Um, Chantel is going to read a passage and then I'm just going to go about it. And then Chantel's going to read another passage and then I'm going to go about that. And there are nine passages. I will be really surprised if we get all the way. And if we don't, We'll go Harvard's maybe, and then that will save me having to prepare something next week, which will be absolutely fantastic. Uh, but before I do, I, I want to really just highlight and just commend everything Johnny spoke last week uh, and his teaching on discipleship. It was so good. And, and the way that he kind of came into land and the way that he's not only talking about it, but modeling it. And he, he had a couple of lads, Jeff and Peter up here, and they shared their stories bravely and articulated it brilliantly. Uh, discipleship is learning from another and that is a that is a pra- that is a hands-on intentional relationship that johnny's gone out of his way to do and i'm encouraging people within the church is to be thinking who am i discipling and it doesn't have to be someone else in the church although that can happen it can be someone who's not yet a christian can be someone in your family. can be someone who's actually in another country. But there's this relationship. It's, it's intentional, as deliberate, and it's about you choosing to say, follow Jesus, but we're going to do this together. I'm going to impart something to you. So you don't need to be a Christian for 40 years and have gone to theological college to do it. If you've been a Christian four minutes, you're, you're qualified. You've, you've tasted and seen, you've experienced enough of Jesus. Uh, like the woman at the well goes immediately into the town and she says, come see a man. Come, let me bring you to him. Uh, he, he, yeah, you know the story. A lot of you do. So uh, that was that. We're in Luke 9, verse 1. Go for it. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal those who were ill. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. 
So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Hold it there, because I'm not going to use the next few verses. Um, Jesus has shown them. He's demonstrated. Remember the show and tell stuff? Jesus does the miracle, the disciples watch. Jesus does the miracle, the disciples watch. He explains what's happened. Jesus does the miracle, involves the disciples in the miracle. We're going to look at a story about that in a minute. This is Jesus saying, go now, go now. And he says, I give you power and authority to heal the sick, to drive out demons. I give you that. I deposit that in you. Now you go and do it. Go and have a go. In twos. And so in twos they go and he gives them strict instructions as to what to bring or actually what not to bring and and how to go about doing it. And they go. He's calling us to go. He's giving us power and authority to go. And he's giving us power and authority and the spirit in us to lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons, to proclaim the good news about Jesus. And I know as I say those things to some of us, we're like, yes, that's exciting, that's great. And you're dipping your toe in the water. It's like, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm having a go and, oh, I pluck up the courage. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, sometimes um, a friend of mine I, I was speaking to last week or the week before, uh, saw knee, blah de blah and the whole time having the conversation, I'm going, he's not Christian. I'm thinking, oh, God, I know this is one of those moments. You're challenging me. You're encouraging me. Just step out the boat, Paul. Just step out the boat, Paul. And I went for it and I just said, can I pray with you? And he said, oh yeah, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. And he thought it was one of those, can I pray with you when I get home later kind of prayers. I'm like, no, can we just pray now? We're in the middle of the high street in Carrick. And he's like, no, 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 you're not going to do it now. And I was like, well, I'm up for that. Are you? And he wasn't. And that was okay. And that was okay. And he went his own way and I prayed later and all this. Sometimes people are much more receptive. Sometimes I'm as bold as that. Other times, like yesterday, I saw this guy who I sort of know, not very well, a uh, 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 running thing, and he's limping. Me and Simon were together. You remember it? Yeah, I'm looking at him. And the whole time, I just knew in that moment, God's sort of saying, you know, step out your comfort zone, step out the boat, step out, just strike up conversation. I see you're limping. Oh, can I pray? And I didn't, and I bottled it. And I'm being honest with you because I'm on a journey too. I'm on a journey and all that stuff. And I know some of us, we're there and we're, we really want to do the, do the Jesus stuff because that's absolutely amazing. And God comes through and God performs miracles. And I know there's some of you sitting there thinking, I would never in a million years do that. Don't even talk about that. I don't expect to do that ever. No, door shut. But some of you might get there at some point. And that's okay because everybody's on a journey, right? And this whole thing of discipleship is just the journey of, of becoming more like Jesus. I'm realizing there's no way we're getting through this whole chapter. Chance. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We only have five loaves 
of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Okay, so the 12, they've returned from their mission trip and Luke calls them apostles instead of disciples. And it's a kind of a change on their name, apostleship. It basically means going, it means pioneering, it means breaking new ground, it means pioneering new ministries. And that's, that's kind of what the, the disciples later were called, right? When we read later into the New Testament, they were then almost renamed the apostles. They've come back and return and they, ha- and they report what had happened. We don't know what had happened because it's not in the text. But there was a debrief conversation that went on Jesus had them back and it's like right lads tell me how you got on bloody blah 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 discipleship is like that discipleship is about sending it's about equipping but it isn't that you're out there on a limb doing your own thing a conversation needs to come how you doing how did that go during the week when you're going to have that difficult conversation at work how was that or how is it when you went specifically to pray with your neighbor during the week How did that go and what was their response? It's like a debrief kind of ongoing conversation that Jesus has deliberately with his disciples. Um, The crowds have appeared. (laughs) They seem to go wherever the disciples are and wherever Jesus is, should I say. And uh, we've read this passage before, spoke on it a few weeks ago. This is when Jesus involves the disciples. What are we going to do with all these people, Jesus? What are we going to do? You feed them. I love it. You feed them. There's need in our town. You feed them. There's difficulty in such and such. You go be the hands and the feet of Jesus in those places. Be part of the miracle. And Jesus, so, and, and he involves me, physically involves me. He says, guys, we need a bit of order here. We need a bit of organization. And he gets them sat in groups of 50. And then Jesus breaks the bread. He takes what was there. The lad's picnic. The loaves and the fish. He breaks, says thanks. He breaks it. He takes what we have. And he blesses it. And he multiplies it. And he distributes it to the twelve. And the twelve, you can imagine it there. They're like, oh, he's only given me a wee chunk here. And he's given me the tail of that great looking fish. And they're there. And he's just kind of given. There's whole people coming. And they're given and they're given. It's like, where's this all coming from? It's only a tiny bit. Jesus involves them. Involves them in the miracle. And discipleship is about that. It's about involvement. It's about you have a go. I teach, you listen. You listen, you teach, and I tell you what I thought about it. And we, we kind of deconstruct that. We have our feedback sort of session together afterwards. Our discipleship must be about involvement. It's about doing the stuff. If you're uh, teetering on the edges of, of this church, if you are new, this is your first time or second, third, fifth time, you need to know that being a part of our church means rolling your sleeves up and getting stuck in. It means being the hands and feet. 
And it's absolutely okay. If you're coming from a place of brokenness, if you're coming from a place of uh, pain or whatever, there is absolutely a time of, of just being and receiving. That is absolutely right and absolutely appropriate. But God heals us up. And he, he just does what Jesus needs to do in us. And a time comes uh, when you're just like, right, it's time for me to give it away now too. Where's the gaps? Or um, where's the need? Or what is God calling me to do? And you get to play. You get to play. Discipleship is about involvement. It's, about, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a verb, a doing word. Yeah, I never know those verbs. Forget an adverb or a pronoun. Or I'm struggling with the nouns and verbs. You can tell I'm not doing the English bit of the AQE test with our son. <laughs> Chance, we're up. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. So once, it begins once, when. Uh, indicates a different time or another time. And he's praying in private, but his disciples are with him. So he's gone to a private place, but his disciples are with him. Whether, whether the disciples are praying with Jesus or whether they're just in his company or they're nearby, who knows? But at the end of the day, Jesus, again, is modeling something, the importance of prayer. And we can read that many times throughout the Gospels, many times accounts when Jesus retreats, retreats to the quiet place to be with the Father and he spent time in prayer. Those of us who are parents, we need, we need our kids to catch us praying. You know, that we need them to walk in on the room and, oh, they're, they're praying, they're doing that praying thing again, or they're reading their Bible again. You know, it's like they need to see it. And plus, we need to teach them as well. I was thinking about this text the other night when I was putting our little girl Hope to bed. And I was like, oh, we pray again? Yeah, yeah, you pray, Daddy. And I kind of think, oh, no, Hope, you pray. You know, it's always me doing the prayer thing. And, and I kind of thought, oh, I need to teach her really to pray. It sounds dumb. Of course, it's so elementary. Of course, I should be doing that. And I, I was like, instead of let's just go, oh, dear Jesus, thanks for a lovely day, blah, blah, blah. I was like, let's just spend a moment just waiting. Let's not say anything to Jesus right now. Let's just wait and let's just ponder and let's just think and let's allow God to tell us hope what, what to pray for and let's let's be thinking about the things that we can be thankful for and then let's thank Jesus for that and let's let's then uh, think about well who needs Jesus touch right now and then let's pray for those people is that okay so we did that and she prayed and I prayed and it was wonderful I thought goodness that's simple right that's discipleship parents of children we have the greatest impact spiritually on our own children than anyone else. And I say this, um, um, what's the word? I say this with respect, is it's not up to the rocket's leaders to do that. That's just an extra bit that we get to do. It is our role. Uh, to be doing that if we know and love Jesus. Now, don't feel guilty if you're thinking, oh, I never do that. It's a, it's a chance to start, okay? Where are we in my notes? Jesus asks them a question. 
he says this, who do the crowds say I am? So here we have, an here we have a conversation. It's usually Jesus telling the disciples stuff. But here's a time when Jesus is actually asking the disciples a question. Why does he ask the question? Is it because he's unsure what they're talking about and he just wants a bit of, give me a bit of feedback, lads? Could have been. Not sure. It could or more likely, I, I don't know, is he wants to kind of know where are they at? Who do you say I am? And he's deliberately asking them um, the question, who do you say I am? He's asking questions. And I think again in discipleship, in terms of teaching and learning, a good teacher asks questions. Those of us who are in education, I include myself, when I remember in a previous life as an educator, um, the, 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 the big thing, the big drive is this thing called active learning. And it's about asking questions. So in the olden days, teaching was very much like you, it's like this, you shut up and listen while I tell you everything and you just listen and you learn and you should be able to regurgitate it. Okay? Whereas new ways of teaching is about uh, the teacher asking questions and empowering the learners, the pupils, to actually think for themselves and come up with the right answers. It's quite funny in our house when we're doing things. You knew I was coming there, didn't I? So, you know, we'll be doing homeworks with the kids. The kids will be doing their homeworks. And they kind of ask us a question, expecting us to give them the answer. And invariably, because I'm used to this, I then ask a question to help one of our children think about it to come up with the answer. And after a while, it's kind of just, it's just not going there, it's just not going there. And Chantel just cuts straight in with the answer. I'm like, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're just giving them the answers and all this. And we have some fun over that as well. Part, so part of discipleship is not only about telling and instructing. It is a conversation which involves questioning and, it, and helping the person to think and to reason. And that's just such an empowering, impartaking way. And the last point on this passage is that um, at this moment, it was said to be two and a half years into the three years of Jesus' ministry that Peter makes this declaration about who Jesus is. Took him two and a half years to get to the point where he realizes that this bloke that he's been following all this time is actually who he says he is. And I kind of just thought, goodness, that's quite, that's quite helpful for us to kind of know that it wasn't just this instant sort of thing. It took him a while to come to the point, you are who you really say you are. And also that it demonstrates to us that Jesus is working with these guys that don't yet know who he really is. And part of discipleship isn't just about in the church. It's about people that are a long way off from knowing Jesus. I had a conversation with a man during the week. Uh, I know through something. Um, he's in Coleraine. And uh, we, had a, we had a chat about a year ago. And he was telling me about splitting up with his long-term partner. And it was messy. And uh, just, just his own personal private affairs, which I've now told you. But you don't know who he is, so that's okay. And, and I just thought, whenever he was telling me that stuff, I, ju I, just, I said to him, who else knows this? And I think there was maybe one other person. I just thought, I hardly know this bloke. That was interesting. <laughs> and, um, 
And so I, so I rang, uh, I was on the phone to him, this about a year later, and it was just, I actually wanted to talk to him about something else, but he immediately went straight into his private personal affairs, and I was able to kind of listen and say things, and I just thought, goodness, that, that's, I, I value the fact that he trusted me enough, even though I don't know him that well, to be able to do that, and we can all do that. We can all do that. And we can all, in a gentle, gracious way, just be pointing them towards Jesus in that way. Chance. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and let and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Whoever wants to be my disciple must do three things. Deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. It just speaks of a life of surrender, of laying it down. And I, I just want people to know uh, that being a follower of Jesus, whilst it's the most incredible thing, he has come that we might have life in all its fullness. What a promise. Isn't that incredible? As we get to know the person of Jesus, we become fully alive inside and he transforms us from the inside out. It's the most incredible, exciting journey it should be. And that is brilliant. We get the benefits of knowing God and being known by him and cherished and loved and forgiven of all of our sins. And we get one day to spend eternity with him forever and ever in heaven with him. That's the most incredible story. What, a, what an amazing thing that we must communicate, that we must go tell the world about. But it comes at a cost. And we must know the cost. That it's about actually surrender. It's about denying what we want in our lives. If we want to be a follower of Jesus and lay down our lives and take up our cross and follow him is difficult is painful he might say we're going such and such if you're going to follow me we're going over here because that's where I'm working right now I'm working amongst some really broken messy people I'm over here folks come on and we're like oh god I don't know I can do that I don't know that I can go where you are god Jesus invites us into these uh places we need to weigh up the cost. We need to know that this life is a life of fully surrendering uh, to him. Chance. How are we doing? Oh, we're okay? Harry? You're okay? About eight days after this, Jesus said this. He took Peter, James and John with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. 
Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. The Transfiguration. You ever read that and thought, what the heck was that all about? Wow, that's like just a balmy event. The most incredible time you can imagine. Jesus going up to the mountain, right? And he takes his closest three, the closest three disciples. He chooses to come for this incredible encounter. They're up there. The disciples fall asleep or they're sleepy, right? Jesus is there and he has this most incredible encounter. And uh, in amongst it, he gets to meet two, two folks from the past. One's Moses and he represents the law, uh, and Elijah, who represents the prophets, both Old Testament heroes, kind of pointing towards the climax that Jesus, the suffering upon the cross that was coming. And they're there, they have this conversation, and the glory of the Lord is there in that place. And then the, the disciples kind of wake up and go, oh, flip, look what's going on, lads. Oh, my word. You can imagine, you can imagine. Peter has one of his lesser moments at that point. Right? He said, few. But at this point, he's like, oh, it's good that we were here, Jesus. We're going to build some shelters, booths. We're going to build something. It's like uh, we, we want to mark this place with like memorials of this incredible encounter. So, you know, that's what he's talking about right there. And, Peter, and Jesus like, no, 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 no. In fact, no, before that, this cloud descends. This cloud comes and God starts speaking through the cloud. This is a Moses moment. This is a up Mount Sinai moment when you're up there in the cloud. The cloud represents the glory of the Lord, the sense, his presence in that place. And the audible voice of God speaks in that moment, so like Jesus' baptism. This is my son. Listen to him. And Jesus like, no, no. You can imagine Peter and the the other two walking down the mountain and going, what on earth was that all about? And the other's saying, Peter, that's a dumb idea. What were you thinking? I don't want to have to build anything in the first place. You can understand that, that Peter's trying to kind of remember this, this moment. And I think sometimes as Christians, those of us who really love his presence, we must be people of his presence. We need to have his presence, otherwise we have nothing to give away, right? But the, there's a temptation that we just want to be in his presence and be on the top of the mountain the whole time and remembering. And so some of us, if we've been around church long enough, can remember the, the blessings. We remember the, the catch the fire conferences or things. I'm being slightly flippant to make a point. I don't mean to offend. That the, the, we, we remember those times and we do remember experiencing his presence. It's absolutely wonderful. 
but we're not called to make shelters and memorials in those places. We're called to go back down the mountain and go give it away. Go give it away. These times that we have, we have an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. You have life group if you choose to go to one. They are short times in the week where we get together, where we get to call upon the Lord and we say, God, we together as your people need you. Would you come and be with us? But it's that encounter that we have as we go to the mountain, that we go back down into the rest of our week and we give away what God has given us and what he has imparted to us. Peter, in all his good intentions, wanted to stay there and make a memorial. And Jesus is saying, go. Peter, in that moment, what should he have done? Probably what the other two disciples did. And was that was just like, wow. Or not even a word. We, we finished our worship this morning and um, we sometimes do it. We don't always do it. And it's not a formula. It's not a method. It's nothing like that. It's just whenever we lead, whenever the guys lead worship, we're in that place. It's just like we don't want to rush from that place. We want to enjoy him. We want to enjoy his presence and not fill it with a load of words or explanation, but just simply to stand in awe of his presence. As his disciples, we need to be people of his presence. And we will finish there because time is running out. Guys, would you want to come? Um, We've got four minutes. I've got a lot more time after that if you want to, by the way. You don't always have to rush away. I'm not saying that you do. But, uh, you know, if God is doing stuff with you on a Sunday morning in this time, um, unless you've got kids to go get, uh, stay, enjoy him and uh, get prayer if that's, if that's appropriate as well. But why don't we stand together? We are going to worship and then we're going to pray.